This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. This morning's first reading is from the book of Malachi. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Holy wisdom, holy word. Second reading is from Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Holy wisdom, holy word. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius ruler of Abilene, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord, 
Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Every Advent, we get a double dose of John the Baptist, whose voice screeches out like a double espresso, designed, I suppose, to wake us up, to knock us out of our complacency. Complacency is, I'm not sure if problem's the right word, it's just, it's what we do. It's what we have to do to some extent. All the more so, the more complicated our world gets. We choose what to be complacent about because we can't be running after every thread of every cause. We can't respond to every voice and call. And so we choose what to be awake to and what to let recede into the background noise of our existence. What we let become just simply part of the given. Maybe a better word than complacency is autopilot. It's part of our survival mechanism. We learn what we can let go because we can't think about everything all the time. I've become rather painfully aware of that in this moving process. How exhausting it is to have to think all the time. To not simply be able to go to the store, but having to think, wait a minute, where is that place? What exit do I get off of? At home, to simply be able to open a drawer and grab the potato peeler instead of trying to think, where did I put that? I spend a lot of time in my kitchen doing this, trying to remember which drawer I've put things into. Gradually, over time, things settle in, and I can grab that potato peeler without thinking about it. I know which channel CBS is on without having to check my list. But every now and then, that autopilot breaks down. A couple weeks ago, I was driving into my neighborhood, and I pulled in where I always pull in, and I made my right, I made my left, I made my right again, I went around the curve, like I always do, and suddenly realized I had no idea where I was. And it was an odd feeling. It was almost like vertigo because I just felt that mental map collapse in my head. And then I had to pull Siri out and figure out where I was to get back to my house. In the opening part of this reading that we get today from Luke, we get, in a sense, the given of existence at that time. We get the autopilot for Jews living in the region of Galilee. 
there was Emperor Tiberius. He was the grand Puba. He was the Caesar of Rome. And under him were serving Herod, king over the region of Galilee. There was Philip, who was ruling over the areas to the east, to the north. There was Licinius. And then there was Pontius, Pontius Pilate. He was the governor of the area. All of this simply part of the given of existence at that time. But then we get this odd character, John, coming into the picture. Proclaiming a strange word. Oh, and you might have noticed at the end of that list of all those government functionaries, we get the two names of Annas and Caiaphas, the priests. Well, the reason they're listed right along with the rest of the rulers is because the Jews were a little pesky about not wanting to be ruled by a civil authority, but rather by a religious authority. And so in order to exert influence over the Jews, Tiberius and his functionaries under him had to rely on the high priestly families to keep order and to collect the taxes. And those taxes were collected in the form of the temple tax. The people, well, there was this, this complex system of religious law that determined what you could and couldn't do, when you could do it and when you couldn't. And if you broke that law, you had to pay your fine. No different than if I make a left turn at a no left turn intersection and I get caught, I got to pay my fine. I go to the to the courthouse or wherever, and I pay my fine. Only here, if you did something that was forbidden by the religious law, you went to the temple and you entered into this complex system of sacrifice and donation through which you would receive forgiveness. When I pay my fine at the courthouse, I receive government-sanctioned forgiveness. And I can go on with my life. Here they would make the appropriate sacrifice at the temple and they would receive divine forgiveness. And they could go on with their life. So, so connected was this system with the given of their governance that the word for sin and the word for debt were the same word. To sin was to owe a debt that had to be paid. And the priests would be happy to receive that payment. It's only when we have a full understanding of this given in the area that we understand just how revolutionary it was when John came on the scene. Because all of a sudden, here is John along the banks of the Jordan offering forgiveness for free. You didn't have to go to the temple and pay your debt. You simply had to come into the water and be baptized. 
It's like if someone stood up and said, ah, you don't really have to pay your taxes anymore. Ah, you really don't have to pay your civil fines anymore. I let you off. And in support of this, John quotes from the prophet Isaiah. In the wilderness, there comes the voice of one proclaiming, prepare the way of the Lord, make his way straight. But if you read on in the book of Isaiah, if you go on from that little bit that he quotes from, you realize that that way that is being made straight isn't being made straight by us. It's being made straight by God. The idea isn't that we are diligently working to make this straight path so that poor God can get to us. It's rather God coming to the shattered people and making a way straight so that they can limp home again. And it goes on to describe them as as a flock of sheep and the shepherd will come and carry the lambs back home again. He'll make the way so easy that those who are pregnant, those who are old, those who are lame will be able to make it. This is the path that is proclaimed to us this morning by John the Baptist. This is the forgiveness that is offered to us, not one that we have to pound out for ourselves, but one that is offered to us freely by God. Not one that is earned through the proper payment of fines or or penance, or or, or anything else, but a way that is paved with the bricks of compassion and mercy by a God who simply wants his kingdom to be complete. By a God who loves her creation so much that she'll do anything to make that creation whole and to bring it into God's kingdom. This is a message that even now we're not used to hearing. Well, maybe that's not quite right. We're used to hearing it. We're not used to really internalizing it. We hear about the love of Jesus. We hear about the grace of God. And then we keep whipping ourselves because we're not doing a good enough job. Oh, I should be busier at church. Why didn't I make cookies? I promise God today I'm going to wake up and try to do a little bit better. And every time I say that to myself, the screeching voice of John comes through to me again like fingernails on a chalkboard, waking me up from that complacency and saying, listen, This is something new. Let that mental map that you have of the way the world operates tumble down around you and out of that sense of vertigo, open your eyes to see this new path. 
Open your eyes to navigate the new reality that is made up not of the mountains and valleys of my own guilt or, or my own sense of control, or, but rather of a straight plane comprised simply of God's acceptance and mercy. I suppose this is what we are waiting to welcome in the birth of Christ. And this is what we are still waiting to see fulfilled in the final kingdom of God. The reality of this inclusion. The reality of this great kingdom. The reality of the power and compassion of our God who will not tolerate our separation. A love that simply keeps coming at it until it wears down our defenses, wears down our resistance. And finally we say, all right, show me the way. Amen.